three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Yes, what a great time to celebrate something good. Um, <laughs> because 2020 has sucked. Um, but I've got a review for everyone uh, for Back to the Future, which um, I so okay. Quick story time. I mean, is is my podcast. Um, I saw Back to the Future for the first time when I was seven. I remember watching it with my dad. I want to say it was on TBS. I want to say no. I got no. We rented it. Back when you would have to actually go to a store to rent movies. Uh, God, I miss those days. But we ran Back to the Future from Video Choice in uh, Video Choice in Pismo Beach, California, where I grew up. And I remember watching the first one and just going, <gasps> like, just having that sense of awe, just being like, this is incredible. And it's the first uh, Robert Zemeckis film I ever saw. Robert Zemeckis, it's really interesting going through his filmography. There's so much stuff of his that I love, and there's just stuff I go, I don't like that at all. Uh, So he did that movie Mars uh, Mars Needs Moms, which is one of the worst animated films I've seen in my fucking life. I fucking hate that movie. But then, you know, right a few years later, he does Flight, which is one of my favorite Denzel roles. Um... He, of course, did, you know, Back to the Future, uh, Back to the Future Part 2 and Part 3. But he did Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Who Framed Roger Rabbit's one of my favorite movies ever. So that goes a long way with me. Uh, I enjoy Forrest Gump. I know some people hate on it, but I really enjoy Forrest Gump. Uh, Castaway, I fucking love. And then a movie I really don't think he's given uh, enough credit for in uh, Monster House. I think Monster House is fucking awesome. And I actually might review that for the real spooky series but it was really cool to rewatch this because i haven't watched this probably since i was 18 and with the 4k uh release uh, i went ahead and bought the special edition of it because uh i'm a nerd and i'm actually sitting here with the hoverboard on my desk and it's just it's wonderful just be able to go like oh finger hoverboard like it's 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 well worth the money for the special edition but uh I was re-watching this and I couldn't stop thinking about uh, what John Mulaney says about this movie because the movie, of course, stars uh, Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly. Uh, if I ever meet Michael J. Fox, I'm a huge Michael J. Fox fan, not just because of the of the three Back to the Future movies, but I'm, I love, I unironically love Teen Wolf. I don't care what anyone says. It's fucking fun. Um, uh, I love Doc Hollywood and Spin City, I think, is one of the most underrated sitcoms ever it's right there for news radio for me as one of those sitcoms i just love uh they should actually i wonder if you could buy that uh yeah i should buy it anyways but michael j fox huge fan of his christopher lloyd he just seemed like that guy in the in the 90s he was in everything i remember they did a remake of uh what was that my favorite martian for disney it's a terrible movie don't watch it but camp nowhere alone covers a lot of sins. I think Christopher Lloyd uh, is freaking amazing. Uh, and I, I, I love that movie. I love Camp Nowhere, too. 
Uh, that's another another fun one. And of course, Angels in the Outfield. So, of course, the movie. You guys know the plot. Uh, Marty McFly, played by uh, played by, of course, Michael J. Fox. He is a high schooler. I don't actually know how old Michael J. Fox was uh, at, at at this point, but I it was really hard, as I was mentioning, to not think about John Mulaney's bit about Back to the Future while I was watching this because the thing is he's he's so right about this movie because they just throw you in. Marty and Doc are just friends. They never explain why they're friends, and even the uh, when he goes to school. Uh, his uh his teacher, the principal of the school, even talks about how oh you're hanging out with Doc Brown, it's gonna get you in trouble. Like it's 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 kind of insane that they're friends, but it it works somehow. And the reason why you don't question it is because Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd, their chemistry, it's my favorite thing about the movie. Like I love the score. I I, I love how much of an asshole Biff is. Uh, uh I, I love. Crispin Glover. I love uh, Leah Thompson. Who, oh my goodness, uh, she looks great in this movie. Uh, sorry for my Tony Tiger impression, but I mean she looks great now. If you haven't seen her recently, but it's so I'm gonna be jumping all over the place on this because first off, how the hell did this get a PG th- uh, get a PG rating? This is PG, and even rewatching it, rewatching it tonight, I'm sitting and watching it, going, okay, there's someone black people are called spooks in this movie just i mean granted it's 1955 i mean or if you're a trump voter you'd probably say that now but that's used biff sexually assaults marty's mother it's like oh my god like doc says shit like three or four times like it there's a surprising amount going on for a quote pg unquote movie and that was something I got like a very hard laugh out of was just how uh, incredibly loose this movie is at points. Again, for a PG film, but Marty, he's going to high school, you know, doing his thing. Um, his the principal is such a piece of crap because he's talking about uh, about him being late because Marty is going to get his fourth uh, his fourth tardy because you know he's he's rambunctious. He's hanging out with that damn Dr. Brown, the principal just talks to him about how he's a slacker, and here's the thing, the principal, first off, he's, like, grabbing him by the, like, grabbing him by the arm, like, by the shoulders, like, first off, he would be fucking fired if you saw that shit today, one. Number two, it wasn't enough to just give him his fourth party, he had to go ahead and push it just a little more, because he's a dick, he even tells him, he's like, you're, you've got an attitude problem, McFly, you're a slacker. He's like, you remind me of your father. He was a slacker too. And then just to push the point home, Mr. Strickland, that's his name. He goes, he goes, a McFly has never made anything of themselves in this school. And I was like, wow, first off, huge blanket statement. Number two, <laughs> like, wow, that's so unnecessary to throw on. It's kind of insane. So Biff uh, so first off, Biff is just, I remember Biff being the first villain I remember thinking as a kid, someone just needs to throw you in front of, like, a car, like, you're a really terrible human being, and you shouldn't be around, it's, it's kind of amazing how terrible Biff is, uh, Tom Wilson, who plays Biff, I, I, I really don't 
know anything else he's been in, but um, oh, that's right, he wasn't the informant. I do remember him that actually, but he's he's such a dick to Crispin Glover, who plays George McFly. He's uh, he's tell he's having him do his work for him. Uh, he makes a comment, you know, whoa, whoa, you almost got me in trouble. Uh, you know, I, what would happen if I turned in my reports? If you're writing, I'd get fired. You don't want me to get fired, do you? And, you know, George pauses and goes, and goes like, would you? And he's like, no, no, I guess I wouldn't. And it's just, it's insane how bad, uh, just how shitty of a person Biff is. And that will also carry over to, to part two. But one of the things I love about this movie is the movie, the movie almost justifies itself just on this one point. Marty needed to go back in time to see his parents actually fall in love because they have this whole speech at the dinner table about how they met and it is just it's the most bleak it's it would make you not want to get married it's such a bleak existence because uh Lorraine uh, she's the one who just goes yeah like you'll just know you know like when you're supposed to be with someone you'll just know but there's no passion there's no fire she just seems just kind of defeated and it's really actually sad. I was like, wow. Like, because when you meet the younger versions of themselves, obviously, you know, the world hasn't beaten them down, but it's cool to see them as their younger selves because they are so full of life and just carefree and just figuring, figuring stuff out. And that's clearly not the case here. And that was something I found actually really interesting was how the younger versions of themselves are. So first off, George is a peeping Tom, which is something I was like, wow, was not expecting that. And, but he's a little fucking perv. I was like, wow. And in one of those other moments where I go, okay, this is PG. He's just climbing this tree, uh, spying on this girl, getting, uh, getting undressed. You're like, wow, this was like, this is supposed to be wholesome. This is supposed to be a PG movie. What the hell? But it's, it's, it's interesting to see how the rating system has changed alone. There, There is a violent... I completely forgot that the time machine, the DeLorean, which, in case you guys didn't know, they are remaking, uh, like, I think a limited amount of DeLoreans, I want to say. So that's going to be freaking interesting. But Christopher Lloyd, being the eccentric uh, inventor, he sells it so well. When he's talking about... Um, hitting the right speed, 88 miles per hour, to go ahead and go and go uh, and, and use the time machine. We talking about plutonium. He's like, well, the plutonium is what I have to use to go ahead and 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 hit this certain velocity. You're like, oh my god! And he, you, you find out, and I completely forgot about this that he gets the plutonium from some Libyans, but then he, um, instead of giving them like, like a true like bomb shell casing he gave them like something just filled with uh uh with old uh, i think it says watch pieces and i was like wow this is freaking insane but something i have to give this movie a lot of credit for and again i haven't seen this in a while but what made me so happy rewatching this was it really felt like i was watching for the uh, watching this for the first time i and again, I fully acknowledge part of it is because I just, I'm not watching, none of us are watching movies the same way we used to, you know, theaters being closed down and everything. 
it was nice to almost have that summer blockbuster feel again for a minute. I was like, oh my god, I haven't seen this in so long. It feels like the first time, and it's 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 cool, and it's making me go. It's very similar to Blade, which I've reviewed already, and uh, that'll be up here by the uh, before the end of the month. It's so cool to see something with fresh eyes and see how uh, really appreciative we should be for this trilogy. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. It's one of my top five trilogies of all time. It's probably my third, probably, behind uh, uh, the Captain America trilogy and the John Wick trilogy for me. But... I love this trilogy so much, and this film in particular, while I do like the second one more, um, what I appreciate about this film is that it takes something that is, in theory, uh, I mean, I guess it would be, you know, 20 years ago, uh, the concept of time travel, and now, you know, if in case you haven't seen, we have that, that article came out that we, it's a 50% chance we're living in a simulation, which, if that's true, my God, can we please change to the next thing, but... The movie really does pick up when Marty uh, goes back, you know, goes back in time. But it's about a half hour plus before that happens. And I have to say, the movie is so well paced that I really wasn't feeling the length or anything. I was like, yeah, this is paced really well. This is written by uh, Bob Gale and uh, Neil Canton. Uh, Bob Gale uh, wrote, uh, what's the producer on used cars? I really like used cars. Um really hasn't done um much outside the back to the future movies uh neil canton he uh was a producer on get uh get carter i like get carter um but really nothing else nothing too often from him either and this script just paces this film in a way that you're always waiting for the next thing and it's really kind of refreshing to kind of see that i mean obviously films like that uh, films do that now but Looking through the whole 80s, uh, through the whole 90s lens on this, um, as far as, you know, how it got to rating and everything, what I found really funny is, first off, the dog, uh, Einstein, he is, so they're doing human, they're doing animal testing, essentially, in this movie, which, that in itself, you're just like, wow, okay, that's rather bleak when you take half a step back. This was 85, pardon me, it's a couple years before I was born, shoot, but... So there's that whole aspect. Two, I love Michael J. Fox. I love Marty. But at the end of the movie, having him playing Chuck, uh, playing rock and roll and implying he's the inspiration for Chuck Berry, it's like, oh, God, really? Like, you had to do that? It's something in particular. I just went, give me a freaking break. But I really just want to jump through some of the scenes that I love. I love the initial scene because it's a very... Uh, very, uh, you know, like, uh, alien invader uh, aspect where Marty lands in 1955, crashes uh, through the scarecrow, which made me laugh so hard because I forgot about that, and then crashes in his family's barn, and the dad comes out with a shotgun because uh, he's like, it's an alien, shoot it! And I-, I remember going, oh, my God, that's really intense. Two, I love the sets here. I love the old classy cars. Uh, it It's funny. I was talking to my friend, uh, uh, talking to Colin, actually, about how, man, we could not make, uh, we could not make it back to the future uh, with an all-black cast because black people can't go back in time 
past like 19 so honestly black people might want to go forward in the future uh at this point <laughs> if things keep going the way they're going but i love the old-timey sets i love the old-timey cars i love that he you know he goes to a, a malt shop with the old jukebox there like i i five cents for a cup of coffee which oh my god if if only starbucks or dutch bros was five bucks uh or five cents a cup but i love the atmosphere i love the way that they use use the time period but yet it does it never feels like it's just hitting you overhead of it over and over and over again and a lot of films can get like that uh but i really appreciate the way they did this uh seeing a young version of his dad uh, again, Crispin Glover still. It's it's so funny because he's such a wuss. He's such a wuss. And as an adult, as an adult, <laughs> despite what the podcast might say sometimes, uh, it's beyond frustrating just as a dude, I'll say, to see uh, George just be such a pushover and let Biff just do whatever he wants. It's incredibly frustrating. Yes, it makes the... Uh, the the scene at the uh, near the end where he punches them it makes it more powerful admittedly but it's so maddening getting to that point because you're sitting there like dude stand up for yourself stop letting this guy push you around but i love the way that they take these little cues from things they said earlier in the film to go ahead and affect uh and mess with the plot so marty uh, uh his mom talks about how uh her dad hit uh, hit her, hit his dad George uh, with his car, and that's how they initially met. So it's interesting that when Marty goes back in time, and he gets uh, he goes to town and everything, he ends up getting hit by that car that's supposed to hit his dad, which leads to his mom being incredibly infatuated with him. And I have to say, it is amazing how in an eighties movie she's this she's this thirsty because. Holy hell, you want to talk about wanting it? It reminded me of um, of uh, Jane Foster in uh, the first Thor, where Natalie Portman, she's just she's letting Thor know you can have it whenever you want. And oh my God. So first off, the psychological trauma <laughs> of having your mother try to seduce you. I mean, that's something you'd have to address in counseling. One. Two. It's it's really interesting how he has to walk this line of like charming his mom, but not charming his mom. It's like, oh my gosh. And it and I love how she calls him Calvin. Cause he even asked, why do you call me Calvin? And she's like, Well, it's all over your underwear. And I was like, Oh shit, okay. <laughs> like it's oh, it's so awkward, but it's great. The the movie handles cringe very well there's a scene later on where uh where uh, uh, lorraine uh goes ahead and follows marty home because marty uh punches uh punches biff and she's like oh my god he's a dreamboat and so she follows him home and i remember going wow this family the dad his dad's a peeping tom his mom's a stalker what the what is Marty going to be when he grows up? What the hell? You're setting this kid up for failure. I, but I love that. I love, I, I love how he has to kind of deal with some traumatic shit because yeah, if any of us went back and visit and saw our parents when they were growing up and 
figuring shit out. Oh my god, I'm sure that would be something you'd just go, I could have gone the rest of my life without knowing this. Uh, Marty meeting the younger version of Doc, I love that scene of him really trying to convince, uh, really trying to convince Doc that uh, that he's from the future. He even shows him a picture of him with his driver's license, and Doc writes it off as a as a really great fake. Which I mean, you know, deep fake videos are a thing, so I guess I guess that makes sense, all things considered. But I love how Doc. Because the, the, one of the things about Doc that's so fun is that he's always talking. He's constantly talking. And yet, you can always tell, like, you can always you can always feel like Marty's paying attention enough. Like, it, it's really quite interesting because Doc is just rattling, rattling all these things off and just speaking super, you know, super scientific. And while I don't think Marty's catching every single thing, he is, like... He's definitely intrigued by it, and that alone is keeping his interest, which you know completely goes against the whole slacker narrative that his you know asshole teacher or the asshole principal is trying to is trying to uh, uh, to relay to him. I love as well uh, the dialogue as things get more dire because once he's able to convince Doc, Doc asks him like, "Hey, have you interacted with anyone else like since you've been here?" And Marty goes, well, I mean, I, I might have, I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but, you know, my mom has the hots for me. And then becomes a mission of him helping his dad get laid, which, oh my god, I never put together like that, but that's what he's doing. Oh man, that's some shit. <laughs> but I, I just, I love, I love how Marty and Doc, Doc is getting more frantic because he understands the implications. Marty Marty's gets it as Doc is kind of laying it down, but it's interesting how initially none of this ever made Marty go, huh, this could have dire consequences. I would think hanging out with Doc <coughs> that he would have picked up on something like that, but apparently not. I love, too, that Biff, apparently people just accept that Biff is an asshole, which I think speaks really t very terribly about the town itself because Biff is about to kick Marty's ass in the cafeteria and the principal comes up and he goes oh well just because you're new i'm gonna go ahead and cut you a break i'm sitting there going he's within earshot really you didn't hear that like you're gonna just <laughs> you're gonna just let that go i completely forgot i don't know how i did but i forgot about the chase scene uh outside of the diner where marty takes his kids like like uh like crate and essentially turns it into the first skateboard and I completely forgot about that scene and I forgot how thrilled I was the first time watching that scene it was a really it was a really cool moment I was like wow this is this is really badass I'm remembering just put in perspective I haven't watched this in so long I was thinking more about the references of back to the future that family guy would make versus the actual film so it's nice to have the film more within my memory so now i'll be able to go oh yeah the part in the actual film i love that i love that chase scene it's actually one of my favorite scenes in the whole film i also love the humor in this doc and marty have very fun banter back and forth my personal the thing that probably made me laugh the hardest and it's such a simple thing but when doc when doc tells marty uh we need to try 
he comes up with this way to go ahead and get Marty in theory to get back to uh, his own time. And he builds this diorama and he apologizes. He's like, I, I apologize. I didn't have time to fit it to scale or paint it. And Marty kind of goes like, it's okay. And Doc's like, oh, okay, thanks. And I, I just found that so incredibly sweet, incredibly endearing. And it really encompasses their whole friendship as a whole. Because Marty wants to tell Doc about what happens to him with the Libyans and him getting gunned down. And Doc just doesn't want to hear it because he understands the implication of knowing too much. And it's just, it's really interesting to see how their dynamic continues to grow even when he jumps back in time. Uh, the last thing I'm going to bring up uh, is, again, Biff sexually assaults Lorraine. He pins her down in this car and his henchmen are behind him and he goes, this isn't, you know, this isn't a peep show. Get out of here. And he slams the door and I'm sitting there watching. She's screaming for help. And I forgot about that. I was like, wow, that is fucking terrible. Holy crap. How, again, how does this only get a PG rating? But I forgot about that. But the other thing I forgot about is how incredibly tense the last scene is as far as the plan that Doc and Marty are trying to execute. I thought that was really well done and it caught me it caught me off guard in the best way. I'm like, yeah, I forgot that uh, the cable gets unplugged and Doc has to basically, you know, use himself to conduct the electricity to close the circuit. I was I was really impressed uh, with the the, the kind of end arc here of the film. It was it was really nice to see that. But getting my final thoughts, uh the score to Alan Silvestri, who of course has done uh, a couple of the he did he came up with the Avengers theme. Uh, I've completely forgot he scored this, and what a great score this is! It picks up, it really picks up the back to the the, the back to the future theme itself. I love that theme. I I, I think it's a underappreciated theme, so it was actually really cool to hear that uh, hear that again. Uh, so well directed. It, this is so worth getting in 4K. This is a 4K release that it looks cleaned up, but it almost still has that graininess that 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 kind of that the original has that makes you almost love it more. It, it's hard to explain, but that's what I felt watching this. So I was really happy with how this was done. There's a ton of special features that I haven't had a chance to watch yet, but that will be something I'm doing here. Over the next couple days, but this was an absolute blast. As far as a film, just because I like the second one more, and I know that might be a hot take for some people, but I'm gonna give this an A. It's not a fan fucking tastic, um, but it is a solid A of a film. Um, again, I, I fully admit some of the stuff I saw that kind of jarred me. I was like, oh wow, I forgot this happened. Shit, it, it it's it's so well written and so well paced that even with those things that have not aged well, uh, it would be a crime to give this anything below an A. So yeah, this is a solid A for me. But everyone, Back to the Future, happy Back to the Future Day. Did you watch any of the films or anything? Uh, what's your favorite one of the three? That would be, that's a good question. Mine is number two. Uh, and I actually love, I really like the third one a lot. I don't think the third one gets enough credit, but uh, I'll at some point review the other two. But yeah, which Back to the Future film is your favorite? Let us know what you thought in the comments below. Uh, you can go ahead and like our page 
at The Real Pineapple on Facebook. That's R-E-E-L Pineapple. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter at J Hunter Real Pineapple. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Nearman the First. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Go ahead and rate us five stars. You can go and find us on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music, and Spotify at The Real Pineapple. Um, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Please stay safe out there. Don't forget to vote, wear a mask. We will have uh, reviews up this weekend for The Witches, uh, for Blade and Blade 2, as well as uh, uh, probably review Scream, too, for the real spooky series. So we've got a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. Everyone, please stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon.